Welcome to the Journal Talk Podcast with Nathan Oren. Each episode, we bring you tips and tools for living with passion, clarity, and purpose. Nathan is a skilled workshop facilitator, business coach, public speaker, and co-author of the international best-selling book, The Soul of Success. Now, here's our host of Journal Talk, Nathan Oren. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, episode 75. You know, Passover came late this year. It's one of those holidays that shifts around on the Gregorian calendar from year to year because it's based on the Hebrew calendar, the cycles of the moon. And so sometimes it's observed in March and other times in April. And for those who may not know, Passover is a seven-day festival in the Jewish tradition of observance. Uh, with very specific rituals, uh, prayers and foods and storytelling. It's a ceremonial reenactment of a period of history when the Hebrew slaves revolted against the Egyptian pharaoh and began their nomadic life searching for a land to call their own. If you have never had the pleasure of attending one of these Passover dinners, you should mark your calendar for next year and find a place you can go. Usually there's temples, or if you have Jewish friends, they would be happy to have you over for the Jewish Seder, it's called. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to believe anything or accept anything. They're not going to try and uh, convert you. In fact, it's part of the custom of Passover is to include other people at the dinner ceremony. Usually it's on the second evening of Passover. Well, Anyway, one of the things I like most about the Passover dinner ceremony and the retelling of all these stories is they invite everyone who participates, okay, believer, non-believer, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, whoever attends, okay, whoever's there, to imagine themselves personally, individually, personally shifting from a place of stuckness, darkness, enslavement, or tragedy into a place of freedom, enlightenment, um, you could say aliveness, transformation. You know, in one way, it's a very specific ritual for a very tiny population of people, and yet it offers this amazingly universal appeal. And the whole ceremony from beginning to end, it, it could take all night. If it's your first time, <laughs> It could be quite entertaining because there's usually, you know, several courses of food and multiple glasses of wine served. And there's this one moment, my favorite moment of the Passover dinner. There's this passage that's read aloud. Maybe this is just in the circles that I've attended with, but it basically says that it's each person's responsibility to come to this ceremony looking for their own insights, their own passage to a fuller life. And while it might seem that these same rituals, the same stories, the same prayers, even the same foods on some level are repeated again and again, year after year, you can find new awakenings each and every time and discover new parts of yourself trapped that are yearning to be released and expressed each and every time that you do it every year. Uh, it's the one who believes that there is nothing new about this Passover Seder. That's the one who is truly stuck. And the reason I bring all this up today is not just because 
Passover, which has already come and gone this year, because it reminded me something of my guest this week, Julianne Victoria. She has designed and published a self-paced year-long journal writing course that's based on a similar principle. It's, she calls it the Butterfly Journal. And uh, Julianne Victoria is a writer, a healer, a spiritual life coach, astrologer, a tarot card reader, and she's right here near me in the Santa Barbara area of California. Uh, she leads workshops based on her butterfly journal, and one thing that you'll hear in our conversation is that she draws upon a very wide universe of different symbols for her inspiration and her teaching, and I really think that makes her an inspiring leader herself. Because whether it's stories about people fleeing from Egyptian slavery, or myths about a legion of gods that dwell in these 12 sections of outer space, or caterpillars turning into butterflies, or Dorothy following the yellow brick road, we can return to and reuse and recycle our favorite images again and again, or we can learn some new ones to get a fresh perspective. But ultimately, it's us who take responsibility. It's our responsibility to seek new insights so that we keep growing and we keep moving through this unfolding journey. Please enjoy this conversation with Julianne Victoria. And I'm joined now by Julianne Victoria. Julianne, welcome to Journal Talk. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Ah, you're very welcome, and thanks for your time. Wow, we have lots of animals <laughs> to talk about and uh, uh, workshops and all kinds of good stuff. So yes. where to begin? How do you tell people? I used a little introduction there that, uh, that you've given me to help uh, explain what you do. But when you're talking in face-to-face -face with people and they ask you, what do you do? How do you explain it? You know, sometimes it depends on who I'm talking to, but usually <laughs> I say I'm a healer and a life coach, as that sort of sums it up. Mm -hmm, and I actually mm -hmm. would say everything I do is to help people heal, whether it's emotionally, mentally, or physically. Mm. So that's sort of my umbrella term is healer. But mm -hmm. yeah, I have many tools that I use. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think I may have told you earlier, and some of my listeners know this about me, when it comes to astrology and tarot and things about the supernatural, I usually come across as a kind of a skeptic. And it's not to say that I don't lend any credence to it, because I do admit, like, I've been fascinated, and we've had an astrologer here on the program who helped me understand a lot about the planets and and the energies from the different houses, and I was just fascinated. So I'm an open-minded skeptic when it comes to things like that, but how do you use astrology and tarot in life coaching, and do you find uh, people are fairly receptive? For the most part, yes, people are very receptive, but I don't think I attract a lot of skeptics. Mm, okay, all right. <laughs> That's more in my personal life, like talking to people and then I tell them, oh, I do astrology and tarot readings, and mm -hmm. they're like, I don't believe in that. But they can be tools that are very logical as well. Mm. And even if, let's say, the client or the person I run into at the dog park doesn't believe in what I do, the messages that I convey 
fall under life coaching. So it's like guidance and insights that anyone can take to improve their life. Mm -hmm. So even if, you know, someone just doesn't believe anything and they deny anything I say or like, oh, this card indicates this or like, I don't care. But I could say, you know, when you're going through challenging times in your life, here are things that the cards indicate you can do, like tools you can take with you to help mm. you through that process. Mm -hmm. So you can sort of take the mystical, the occult, you know, woo-woo out of it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just see it as very practical for people in their everyday life. If you give them practical advice and tools that they can take home with them to improve their lives, mm -hmm. to me, then I've done my job. Mm -hmm. Whether they believe in it or don't or walk away thinking, oh, she's crazy, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. You know, as long as they have tools that they can take with them to help themselves in their lives, that's yeah. what's important. Yeah, very good. I like that. That seems like a very straightforward approach. And so your coaching doesn't depend on the person believing in these uh, supernatural. And, but you know, I have, I've been interested before. I've studied a little bit about the tarot symbols, um, especially those, uh, you might call the face cards. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, you know, there's some universal messages there, you know, the hanged man upside down, you know, getting a new perspective on life and uh, the the fool's journey, you know, taking life more whimsical and just, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, go where wherever your heart leads kind of things. I do think there's some very universal messages, but I like what you said, not necessarily need to you know, buy into any kind of philosophy about it. But you do say that journal writing is a must for your clients. What do your clients find when they use their journal? Well, it's journaling is sort of like their homework. It's how you can coach yourself in your life. Well, at least how I recommend it. I don't know exactly what people do. Of course, I'm not checking up on them at home. But, you know, I give them tips uh, to journal to as a process to sort of dig into their minds, into their psychology, into their emotions, into whatever is bothering them. Mm -hmm. And it's, they can do it at home. They can do it privately. They never have to share it with someone. And I recommend things like just free form writing or just, you know, in, in a way you can call it channeled writing, just, mm -hmm. just start writing. Mm -hmm. You know, I might mm -hmm. give them a topic, you know, every evening start writing about you know, what is bugging you that day and see where it leads them because it mm. might take them down this path and they discover, well, that situation today really wasn't what bothered them. It just reminded them of something that happened 20 years ago that really irked them, that they stuffed away, that they didn't do anything about. So anything that reminds them of that situation or most importantly, the emotion they felt in that old situation really makes them angry. And then they, you know, they they don't know why they respond this way and it disrupts their life. So they get a tool to really dig deep into their psyche, mm -hmm. pull things out and understand them so they can release it and it doesn't affect their life today. Yeah, so yeah. I love that. And give us um, a couple of examples of um, some people or yourself who have had uh, used this process for major life events. Um, well, use me as an example, because it, it's interesting, because not long after I had put together or created Butterfly Journal, I decided to completely change my life. I lived in Seattle at the time, mm -hmm. had a home, a private practice that was very successful, 
uh, you know, I had like, my home was this art project. I built a farm and I had chickens and like, I had the life, you know, I made my own schedule, which I do now again, but I just, I think it was triggered through the process of creating Butterfly Journal Mm. that I sort of tore down my life, like the caterpillar disassembles, Mm -hmm. all its cells break down. And I returned to my family home, consciously not to be there, but because I wanted to move back to California and live somewhere warmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were addicted to the sunshine. Yes. <laughs> At, well, I'm a Leo sun, so I need the sun. Uh-huh. Um, but I realized through the process of being in the family home for nearly three years, which I thought it'd only be three months, I realized I actually physically went into the cocoon Hmm. to disassemble myself. And as I'm teaching in the workshop, it's disassembling the ego, disassembling Hmm. who you think you are, how you think life should be, what you think your life has been, and what you want your life to be. It was a deep healing process. And during that time, I decided to actually do my own butterfly journal. And I was posting it on my blog. I was putting it out there. I didn't put the most intimate things out on the blog because mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. you need to keep personal. Sure. But it helped me through that process because I went from very self-sufficient, totally independent, very successful to living at home with my parents. And my mother had Alzheimer's. I ended up being her caretaker, which was oh, not wow. my plan. Wow. I was un- unable to work for over a year and a half. You know, So I went from like you know, independent, successful to like totally dependent Mm, and mm. really almost no time for myself. And the journal helped me to understand why that was actually happening in my physical world. It was more than I needed sunshine and had to move back to California. It was a healing process for me. And I really had to dig deep into my psyche. Much of it had to do with issues with my mother. Mm. And you know, I thought, you know, how ironic. The last person she wants caring for her is caring for her. And I thought, you know, there's a reason in this for me as well as her. Um, so the journal really helped me dig deep and understand what was going on, what parts of me I had to let go, what parts of like childhood anger and shame. Mm. I had to acknowledge that first. Shame was a big one and let that go, release it, forgive my mother you know, and have mm-hmm. gratitude, which was the hardest part, gratitude for the situation I was in. Mm-hmm. Even though I was living with my parents, <laughs> no income and almost no money, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's the growth, the inner growth really was the thing to be grateful for. And with gratitude for that, I could be grateful for all those little details. Wow. Yeah. And it's brought me to where I am now. And now I'm back to being independent you know, building a successful practice, you know, a year and a half ago, I would not thought have thought I am where I am now. Well, and congratulations. it's like, I have, I have emerged like the butterfly out of the cocoon. Yeah, yeah. And I want to talk about that imagery and, and what the butterfly journal includes and tell us more about that. But I just first want to acknowledge what an amazing journey that you took. And it sounded like it was sort of a side route like you weren't planning for it to be such a no um, this was like a life's um a little smack a little smack on the face uh from life to get you you know through something i I hate to put it like life's uh whacking us down but um you know sometimes it could feel feel that that. way yeah i actually because one of the things i struggled with the first 
six months or year (laughs) was, okay, this was my decision. Mm. I didn't have to sell my house in a bad market and make no money. I didn't have to, you know, close up my successful healing practice. And at that time, I was just budding with the life coaching. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to leave the beautiful home I had created. Mm -hmm. I chose it. That was actually the most difficult part. And there you were wanted days. sunshine. <laughs> exactly. There are many days I was like, did I make the wrong decision or what did I do? But through the process of working through Butterfly Journal, I mean, I could see that it's what my soul needed. Yeah. yeah. Growth. I could have not done it, uh, but I would not have had this experience. Right. And I am very grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, tell us about the journal. How does it work? What is it exactly? Mm-hmm. Um, and tell us if you, I'll ask at some point, if you don't uh, volunteer, I love when you shared about, you know, the cells breaking down and mm-hmm. and maybe deepen that process for us, what that all means in, in your journal, in your book. Okay. So Butterfly Journal is an interactive journal. So there are prompts in the book. There's 12 prompts and it's set up as monthly prompts. But of course, people can go through it faster. Mm-hmm. Which I don't really recommend because it's a deep process, but you could. Um, Like I am with my workshop, we're doing it for 12 weeks. So it's sort of the speed version of it. Um, Or you could take more time. It may be one month. You know, the first prompt is self-reflection. And there's guidance in there on how to self-reflect. And the second prompt is truth. So it's truths that come out from self-reflection. So the the prompts build on each other. And it may be that someone, you know, self-reflects in a couple weeks. Okay, they're on to the next next prompt. So you Mm -hmm. can take go through them faster. You can take longer. And they really are to slowly, here we get into the symbolism of the caterpillar, disassemble yourself and disassemble your ego. So kind of the first six prompts are the going into the cocoon and inside the cocoon, the actual caterpillars, it's not like they go into a cocoon and just grow wings. Right. They go into the cocoon and their cells undifferentiate. So there's no longer leg cells and eye cells and skin cells. They kind of become a blob of cells. Now, this is true science fact. This is true science fact. Yeah, they undifferentiate. And then the cells start to redifferentiate and assemble into the little creature we call the butterfly. I probably should have learned this somewhere in grade school, but I don't <laughs> I don't remember I hadn't realized. So there's a time there where there's just sort of caterpillar butterfly goo. Yeah. Wow, yeah, wow. Exactly. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could blend the goo and make a butterfly. It has to kind of probably stay in that cocoon shape. Sure, but, sure. Well, yeah, I, re- yeah. I do remember being curious as a kid. I used to go and take, you know, a mason jar, like my mom had these <laughs> um, jelly jars. And I, I used to go and get some grass from the yard. And if I found a caterpillar, I'd put the caterpillar in. I'd love to watch it and feed uh-huh. it and all that. And I was always amazed when it became a caterpillar, but I, I was sad because I thought it pretty much died after that. And I knew that the butterfly would come, but I didn't know when or how. And I think I just, you know, emptied the jar out at that point. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And I didn't want to stab it and find out what's inside, but I kind of thought that was the end. Well, in a sense, it is. The caterpillar dies. It no longer exists. And so the journey through Butterfly Journal is to really sort of, again, disassemble your ego, like the cells of the caterpillar. Mm. Not that, you know, as long as we're here alive, we have an ego, but it's to not let it mask and control everything that's deep inside. And so you break it down 
And then, you know, the second half of Butterfly Journal is sort of like the rebuilding inside. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in the end, hopefully you emerge with wings and a beautiful, a more beautiful soul and person. And I would stress that, you know, Butterfly Journal, it's not like you do it once and you're like the most enlightened being ever. Mm-hmm. It can be a, a repeated process that you could do every year for the rest of your life because there's always growth taking place. There's sure. always new things to learn about ourselves. And on top of that, we have new experiences that add There's to always more ego to disassemble. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow, wow. Oh, very good. Where do people find this? This is uh, on Amazon, I'm sure. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble, and they can also order it through Create Space. And all the links are on my website on the Butterfly Journal page. Very good, and I'll make sure to put up some links as well. And you've got the Butterfly Journal, and you're doing workshops with this, mm-hmm. and so you've got online workshops coming up and all kinds of good stuff. Do you want to talk about those? Your teleconference? Um, yeah. So I'm currently tonight. Will actually be the second class of the 12 class teleconference for Butterfly Journal. And in the teleconference workshop, I'm working them tonight. I'm, I have more prompts, I have more exercises for mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. to really start to dig deep. And so, this is to introduce people to the process of journaling, to the process of self reflection and peeling away those layers of the ego um, to understand themselves. Yeah. And it is yeah. sort of the speed version because it's, it's 12 weeks. I thought yeah. one year would be too long to do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can. It's hard so. to keep a lot of people together for uh, 12 months, but yeah. uh, at least they can take the notes and they have the ideas and then they can take it into their own practice at their own way. Great. Well, Julianne, thank you. I want to take a quick break and then let's shift gears. When you come back, I want to hear about the peacock. Okay. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to Journal Talk. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you'll love receiving our weekly show summaries. These are short articles complete with links to additional resources and book recommendations for each episode of Journal Talk. Head over to our website at easyjournaling.com forward slash journal talk. You'll receive a free index of past episodes, plus a weekly summary and reminder when a new episode is published. Thanks again for listening, and now back to more Journal Talk. We're back with Julianne Victoria on Journal Talk. My name is Nathan Orn, and I'm just soaking up so much, uh, enjoying this conversation. And to switch gears from the Butterfly Journal, I notice, uh, Julianne, that you've got a peacock feather all over your website, another symbol. Do you want to tell people what that represents for you? Yes. So the peacocks, one, I've always loved peacocks. I remember when I was a little girl, my grandmother had these peacock feathers and I would just stare at them. But I chose to use the peacock feather. Well, my blog is called Through the Peacock's Eyes. And when I set it up, I really love the symbolism of the eyes of the peacock's tail Mm -hmm. and that they represented many different views and perspectives on things. Mm. So it could be spiritual views religious views, views on life in general. And it's interesting because this was not my intent when I started my blog, but also looking at the world through astrology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the peacocks, the eyes on the peacock's tail actually are said to represent the stars in the heaven. Mm. And then the peacock also, like the butterfly, represents transformation because the peacock is also a symbol for the phoenix. Mm. And the phoenix, you know, 
allows itself to die in fire and then rises again from the ashes. It rebirths itself like the mm-hmm. caterpillar rebirths as the butterfly. Ah, yeah. So there's okay. like layers of symbolism. And there's actually, I didn't think of all these layers of symbolism for the peacock when I started using the peacock feather as sort of my brand. Uh, mm. But it, it has grown and I've come to realize more and more what it means for me and other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like it. And I love how you use those, you know, little facts about the animal and then relate it to a spiritual truth or a personal truth or a psychological truth. There could be probably a whole book of, on doing that. Taking each, <laughs> each animal in the kingdom has, I guess that's what they mean when they say, what is your spirit animal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I actually have a category on my blog called Animal Spirits, and I post about animal spirit symbolism. Ah. So people can go there, and it's in the blog category list on the right-hand column, and click Animal Spirits, or just punch that in in the search on the box, okay. search box on the top, yeah. and they'll find a whole bunch. It's not every animal is up there. I haven't <laughs> written about every animal on the planet, but working on it, but working yes, on it. It's yeah. a work in progress. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fun, fun. That's uh, I do know one fact about, you know, the peacock that has that big bright tail with all those beautiful feathers is actually the male peacock. The yes. female peacock isn't quite so bright and beautiful feathered. That's correct. That, yeah. The female is usually brown. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's male. like the male that uses the, it's like their mating call. Their uh, this mm-hmm. is how they, they and and it's funny. And human beings were sort of the, traditionally the opposite. That the woman right. is a, the, the female dresses up and tries to do the the luring of looking enticing <laughs> and, and beautiful. And the man just needs to be plain brown. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think in a lot of birds, the males tend to be more colorful. And have like the extra frills and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, Julianne, I love that you're local here and you've got lots of projects working on. We should have coffee sometime and talk about these. Oh, I, I'd I, love I'm to. looking at this list of wonderful things. Can you give us a little sneak peek of some of the things you're currently working on? Um, well, I just today announced my next workshop. It'll be an online video workshop um, on astrology. It's called Shedding Light on Your Karma and Dharma. And that's a play on my astrology books, Shedding Light on Yotisha, which okay. is Vedic astrology. And it's looking at your Vedic astrology chart to understand why you're here, who you are, what's your purpose, and what path you should take. Because a mm. lot of people... You know, they struggle with identity. They struggle with, I don't know what's the best career path. I don't know why I'm here. What's the meaning to all this? And so it's using a person's birth chart, which I call a birth chart or natal chart, our roadmap. It's like the routes that we set up for ourselves to take, potential routes. You Mm -hmm, don't take every mm -hmm. route. And you can see, well, you know, it looks like, you know, going into humanitarian work looks really good for you in your natal chart. And someone, you know, like if I'm working with a client, they might be like, you know, I've always wanted to do that, mm. but I went this route because that's what my parents wanted me to do. Yes. So it's really a workshop in identity, understanding who you are, why you're here, what lessons you need to learn, and how you can take that and basically take control of your life and move on to the path that's best for you. And it's sort of like transforming your karma into your dharma. Mm. Now, I know karma. Karma is the idea that um, what goes around comes around. 
doing something good in one life uh, and that the, uh, I could say the consequences of that action will bring good back to you either in this life or the next life. What's Dharma? Okay, well, first, I want to say that's one view on karma. Ah, okay, thank you. Yes, I'm open to learning <laughs> I, others. I, don't view, I mean, there is a cause and effect sort of meaning to karma. Okay. But I don't view it as sort of like, this happens, so this happens. Karma isn't linear. There's layers and layers that work together. Okay. And the word karma actually means action. Mm. So it's what actions you take and, you know, the effects of those actions. But mostly when I'm coaching people... You know, their karmic lessons are lessons. Like, what is it that your soul wants to learn? What is it that you want to learn on the deep level? And it's usually the case, like, if you don't learn, and usually, you know, the ending of the lesson comes when you have gratitude and forgiveness and you let go. Mm. If you, you know, if you don't do that, you know, life is going to throw you similar experiences. You're going to meet people with similar personalities. You're going to repeat patterns in relationships until you finally realize, oh, this is something within me. I need to forgive that person. I need to let go of hanging on to the past. I need to have gratitude for those experiences because it's once you have that gratitude and forgiveness, it allows you to grow. Mm. So to me, that's what karma is. It's what you do and what you do from what you do from what you do from what I you see, do that's I the see. cause and effect okay. so it's me there's no retribution okay if the sense of retribution can come only if someone i would say if they don't learn the lesson if they say oh i deserve that mm. and it's, kind of, it's sort of like yeah giving up <laughs> yeah yeah well i but, do like your take on it that there isn't this you know cosmic balancing scale going on you know <laughs> that you're definitely emphasizing more of uh you know just a simple action and reaction kind of a mm-hmm. thing yeah i like that and i was going to add it's not like there's someone else in the sky or anyone else deciding our karma for us it's us Mm-hmm. It's all about us. Ah, and that's okay. why you can read it in your birth chart. It's it's you. It's, you know, if you believe you have a soul, it's your individual soul's plan. It's our individual lives are about us. Mm-hmm. And then how we interact with everyone else. So it has to be seen that way. Not like, oh, I did this now. So-and-so's got to get me back or God's got to strike me down. Or mm-hmm. it's no, it's us. It's like, you know, judgment day, like, you know, a little bit about Tarot, like the judgment card in Tarot. It's not about a God or a figure in the sky judging us. It's about us judging the life we lived Mm, and where we want to go from from there. And that's where we kind of, you know, if you believe in past lives, that's when we lay out when we're going to be born in the next life and what placement or where the stars will be in the heaven when we're born. And that will be our roadmap. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow, very, very. So, and then what's the Dharma part? The Dharma part. So Dharma, it means righteous action. Many people view it as your purpose in life, the meaning of your life. In Vedic astrology, our truest Dharma is our spiritual path. But sometimes we have to work through our karma to really get to our Dharma. Mm. And so by our path, our purpose sometimes is working through the karmic lessons and having those karmic experiences because through those we either find or we move along our spiritual path 
to becoming more enlightened beings. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they kind of work together. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it sounds like the the karmic work is happening sort of in this present Mm-hmm. And the Dharma work is happening over a span of who knows outside of time, perhaps. Is that true? A, is that yeah, a... I've actually. That's a great way to put it. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. You're a good teacher. Oh, thank you. I could talk hours on this. <laughs> uh, let's come in back to the present moment of an, mm-hmm. an activity to try out. People love here on Journal Talk, love to have uh, something to go into their journals with and do. And I know that you have a, a video later that will take it a, another notch. Um, mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. Tell us what what's one thing that we can do today that would uh, uh, get us uh, some of this uh, juicy, wonderful stuff. Well, I'll use an example that I'm I'm using in my butterfly journal workshop right now. Okay. So the first prompt, as I've mentioned, is about self-reflection. And I came up with some self-reflection exercises for people to work through to figure out who they think they are, who they are, okay. and who they think other people think they are, you know? It's mm-hmm. so it's sort of like a way to reflect on themselves in different layers. So the first one, you know, I ask, write down what you would say to someone that you first met, like say you're at a party and you meet someone, you say, hi, I'm so-and-so. And then they usually say, well, what do you do? So what do you say? Like one or two paragraphs, how do you introduce and explain who you are to oh. someone you've just met? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Cause sometimes I'm caught, oh boy, what do I say? And mm-hmm. um, sometimes I have a rehearsed speech that I <laughs> that I give. And then other times I just don't feel like answering this question right now. Can we talk yeah. about something else? Right. Uh, <laughs> and then the next part is, how do you introduce yourself when you're meeting someone through email or online in writing in some way? Because a lot of people may be like contacting someone, hi, I'm so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da. Like, is that different from when you introduce yourself to someone in person? Mm, okay. So that's the second one. Because some people, they feel they can hide behind a computer screen. And so they they present themselves as something different, either better or worse. You know, mm-hmm, it's different mm-hmm. for everyone. And then the third exercise is write a paragraph or two on how you think other people tell someone else about you. Ah, okay. How are you introduced yeah, by, when by you're somebody there, when right, you're not you're there? You're not there, okay. but someone's saying, oh, my friend Nathan, he's blah, 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 you know. Which is interesting because that's how I met you. Somebody at Yardy, <laughs> where, I, where I work, said, wow, journal writing. I just, you're going to love talking to Julianne. You should uh, reach out to her. That was great. Perfect. Yeah. And it all just fell into place. It did. And here we are. So then people can compare those three things and kind of reflect on it. Like what of those three descriptions, what parts of those, if any, do they really feel is who they are? Mm, Okay. And if not. What's missing? Yeah. What's missing? Who do they really feel they are? Because, you know, someone may be really insecure yet when they're in public and they introduce themselves, they seem very confident and they talk themselves up. Yet when, you know, who they really are is when they walk away, they're like, oh, was my hair okay? Did I look all right? You know, they insecurities come out. So do they present themselves as they really are? And if so, why or why not? Yeah. And and then it get that's where you start digging deeper into the truths like what is it about me that holds me back? Is there experience from my past? Is there, you know, 
it can go endless directions. From yeah. There. Oh, sure. Yeah. You're going to have fun with this group. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they have fun. <laughs> You're going to drag them through all this mud and then you're going to need to clean them off afterwards. I know. I realized I was like, yeah, be careful of Julianne's classes. They're deep. They're heavy. Yeah. Good stuff. A slave driver. It's going to make you, make you tear your psyche apart. <laughs> uh, and it's not even week six where they're deep in the gel, in, oh. the, in the goo. <laughs> Wow. I I need to check in with you on week six to see how everyone's goo is going. (laughs) Hopefully they keep coming along, you know? Yeah, yeah. I can't go to this workshop, no. (laughs) Uh, Great. Well, you have, um, we'll talk about how to contact you, and um, but I want to, if you could tell just a little bit about your exclusive offer for, you know, the listeners here on this podcast. You had a brilliant idea. I think you're the first person to come up with this idea of something uh, unique to share. So, um, <laughs> yeah, why don't you tell people what you've concocted? Well, I put together a short video. It's about 10, 11 minutes long. The first couple minutes is the introduction to Butterfly Journal. And then I d- you see me. And then I discuss an example for the first prompt of Butterfly Journal, I go through the prompt, I talk about an experience I had as I was working through it as an example to help people to understand sort of how to get started in mm-hmm. the process. Okay. And I'm sure there's some life coaching thrown in there for some people as well. Okay. So I'm always coaching in some way whenever I'm talking and making videos. So different <laughs> people are going to take different things from it, but it's definitely a, a nice example to help you get started on working through Butterfly Journal yourself. Super, yeah. I enjoyed it. I think that this will definitely give a taste test. You know, it's a little taster of what the Butterfly Journal is all about. Mm -hmm. And I'll make sure that on that same page, people can, you know, go to the Butterfly Journal site on Amazon and check that out if they want to buy it or um, down. Is it is it an ebook format or it's not an ebook format because you have to journal? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. They can pull though. Someone just wants to get the prompts for free. They can go through my blog and go through the old journal posts and pull the prompts from there. Sure. like if you have a bunch of empty journals lying around and you don't want to buy another one, you can get the prompts, print them up or write them out and they are there for free as well. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So to get that, you'll go to uh, easyjournaling.com slash butterfly and uh, you'll see the page there with Julianne and um, we'll put some uh, details of uh, her and her blog and the video will be front and center. Uh, you can play it right off of that page. And then uh, down below, you can see the link to Amazon to get the journal yourself. And uh, that's exciting. Thank you so much for putting that together. I just uh, I'm really excited for people to see that. You're welcome. I hope they enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Now, how can um, uh, obviously people will um, see your content and your mm-hmm. and your um, contact information there? But just uh, for anyone else, uh, how do people reach you? What's the best way to connect with you and interact with you, Julianne? Um, well, they can go to my blog website, which is peacockseyes.com. And if they click the Empress card on the right-hand side, it will take them to my business site and all my contact information is there, my email, my phone number, or they can contact me through the blog as well. Okay. Very good. We will do that. And um, and thanks again for your time. This has been lovely. I feel uplifted. Peacock and butterfly and everything. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> this has yeah. been a nice session. 
Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Julianne, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> and you. let's stay in touch. Okay, will do. All right. Take care. You too. This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Write for Life, a web resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. Find us online at www.writeforlife.us, spelled W-R-I-T-E, the number four, L-I-F-E dot U-S. Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk. Da-da-da.